You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So the plan for today is going to be to talk a little bit about um, training camp yesterday. A few thoughts and comments about a couple things floating around on the internet, i.e. Jadavian Clowney. And I don't know, we'll see what else happens. But before we get started, once again, let me remind you about the biggest NFL season-long tournament of all time. If you're not currently on draft for daily fantasy sports, you might want to check it out. They are currently running a uh, competition that is going to have $3.5 million in cash payouts. It also isn't going to get much easier. It's the kind of thing where if you're brand spanking new to all this stuff, but you still want to get involved in something like this, this is probably the best way to go. The reason being it's a best ball, so you can go out and draft randomly as you like. Because as I've said before, it's always the one that doesn't know what they're doing that wins. But the benefit is you don't have to set your roster every single week. You don't have to have in-season strategy. It's just a matter of if you get the best players in this draft, by the end of the 16 weeks, you're going to get some money. As I said, leagues start every few minutes, so you can jump on one right now if you so choose. The app is also apparently the highest rated fantasy app out there, so it's a really solid app if you'd rather do that than desktop, or if you're currently doing one and the app is garbage, you might want to check this one out. So again, limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use promo code PACKERNET. Now, let me clarify, because somebody reached out to me recently, there's some dispute about what that deposit needs to be. I'm not sure. Either way, check out Draft but I'm currently getting clarification on that whole situation. However, one way or another, you will get a free shot at a million bucks just by using promo code Packernet when you make the deposit on Draft. So, search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com. Come play free with promo code Packernet. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, training camp. People that were out. Uh, Josh Jones, Danny Vitale, Oren Burks, Kevin King, fullback Malcolm Johnson, uh, Trevor Davis, Jamal Williams, Jace Sternberger, Kabion Ento, Ibrahim Campbell, Greg Roberts. People that returned to practice, Equinemius St. Brown and Evan Bayless. Somewhat disappointing with Josh Jones because I was excited to see is he going to start. 
um, as a linebacker, but he's out sick. But we'll, we'll, we'll get a chance to see, hopefully, in the preseason game tomorrow. I don't know for sure. Usually an illness is not a long-term deal. Typically when you see somebody's out with an illness, it's maybe a day. Um, Aaron Jones has been back for some time, but this was apparently his time, first time being back, you know, kind of in full, like fully with the team now. Oh, and also Mr. Derek, um, Derek Jones got waived. So the cornerback we just picked up apparently didn't pass the physical, so they're going to let him walk. Otherwise, some things that stood out, um, obviously shortly after I said the tight ends haven't shown much through this process, tight ends kind of stood out. Uh, Jimmy Graham in particular had a really, really good practice, which is great. And also Robert Tanyan uh, not only looked pretty good, but um, there was, again, quite a bit of hate praise being heaped on him from Aaron Rodgers. It seems like that's happening a lot, and it's kind of happening to the point where it's like, you know, maybe Rodgers is just in a really good mood this year because he's just heaping it on everybody. I mean, it was roughly the same time last year that we got to hear how incompetent the wide receivers were because of Aaron Rodgers, and now all we hear from Aaron Rodgers is how much he loves everybody. Not saying anything negative. I I believe all of it. I'm just saying this is this is kind of a good thing. Um, Zedarius and Gary still look good. That's you know still going strong. The Crosby and Ficken competition is still going. I I I don't know, man. I mean, if it was just a straight-up competition and there weren't other factors, I would say Crosby is in the lead, primarily because I think it was the last training camp. So uh, Crosby's first day back, I think everybody made one except Crosby missed one. The very next camp, Ficken missed like two, Crosby was like five for five. Now, this time, Crosby made three, Ficken made three. So essentially, Crosby has been perfect with the exception of one kick from about, I think it was like 48 yards in his first of three training camps. So he's like 12 of 13. So then Ficken would be like 11 of 13. And again, Crosby's only miss was a relatively long kick on his first day back after being out for I don't know how long. Now, I would say Crosby's winning this thing, but it's just a question of how badly are they trying to replace Crosby, and especially since we apparently had heard that the new Vikings uh, kicker was trying to be acquired by the Green Bay Packers. The fact that they're willing to give up draft capital really tells me they want Crosby gone. Not not as a person, obviously, any of that stuff. It just, you're not going to give up draft picks for something unless you really, really, really want it. Why do you really, I mean, because here's the bottom line. If you give up, and I don't know what they were offering, but you're not going to give up a sixth-round pick for a kicker and then let him go because Crosby's a slightly better kicker. Unless this guy comes in for that fifth-round pick or fourth-round pick or, excuse me, sixth-round pick or whatever, unless he comes in and is just terrible, Crosby's gone. So that was kind of a shocker when I heard that there were two teams looking to trade in the NFC North for a kicker. I'm thinking, okay, the Bears are definitively on that list, so maybe it's Bears and Vikings, but, you know could possibly be Bears Packers I hope not well then the Vikings get him like oh good it was the the Vikings and Bears wasn't probably 30 minutes later the message comes out the Packers were one of the ones trying to trade and it was like are you serious so I mean it, it definitely seems urgent I mean I, I think um, you know I, I came out and said I don't, I don't think Crosby is as bad as as had been said but I think the Packers definitely disagree I think they were really you know, money's a factor. Age, I don't think age is really a factor. Kickers can kick until they're 900 years old. Nobody cares. 
But I think the money aspect, and I, I really do think they saw last year as problematic, and they're ready to move on. We saw Ted Thompson the last time Crosby went into a slump, and I think it was a bigger slump than last year. Uh, they brought in a competition. Crosby did fine, and it almost just seemed like it wasn't really meant to get rid of Crosby. It was just a matter of, come on, man, you can get through this, and he kind of pulled it together, and they're like, all right, sweet, we're good. Now it just feels like they're gunning for him. Like, we, we got to get him out of here. That was like the... You know, Gutekunst can hold a grudge, man. <laughs> and when he wants to get rid of somebody, he's getting rid of somebody. It just seems like there's there's just a hit list for this guy. And it kind of just, I get the impression Crosby's on it. And, you know, if I couldn't feel it before, this whole looking to trade for a guy, it definitely feels real. So, again, I think Crosby's winning the kicking competition. But I'm still less than 50% that Crosby's going to be the guy that the Packers keep. So it's a weird, weird feeling. By the way, the 3 of 3 was 27, 32, and 37, so they didn't get a lot of work. Um, And it was one of those where if you miss any of these kicks, yikes. As far as some of the comments after practice, Aaron Rodgers will be playing a quarter, which, if anything, I think that's somewhat of an uptick for Rodgers. I feel like if this was Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers would probably do a series, not a quarter. So that'll be exciting. Um, it's It's always weird because I always want Rodgers to play a lot. However, if he gets hurt, then it's just going to be... So people want Rodgers to play, but if he gets hurt, it's just going to be, Matt, you're a dummy for letting him play. So I, I don't know. Injuries are a part of the game, and just hopefully it doesn't happen. It's probably going to depend pretty heavily on the offensive line's ability to block Baltimore, which shouldn't be that big of a deal. I can't think of, I think they got, who do they have? I don't know. I think they'll be all right. They don't have Zadarius, burn. Um, Oren Burks apparently will not need surgery, which uh, I believe is good news. Still no time frame, though. Apparently, if he had surgery, pretty much count him out for the year. No needs for surgery, but it does mean that now without surgery, it's going to have to heal on its own. I don't know how long that's going to take, but apparently this is good news. Um, again, I mentioned the, the heaping praise thing. Um, Aaron Rodgers went real hard in praising Tony Brown, which is a good thing. As I said, I'm, I'm a fan of Tony Brown's. Uh, I liked the energy that he brought last year. He was, I mean, he was a classic case of a guy that comes in, plays well, and gets put back on the bench. And I, I, if you've been listening for a while, you remember I would not stop talking about how upset I was that essentially Tony Brown came in, he was playing fast, he was playing physical, he was, he was doing a really good job, but he got a little chippy, he pushed somebody or hit somebody. I think, I don't remember exactly what the situation was. But Mike McCarthy screamed at him and told him to sit down. He didn't play the rest of the game, and he sat over on the bench with his head in his hands. And my only thought is, why would you do that? This guy's fired up, he's feeling good, and you just completely crushed him. I don't want to sap that energy from him. Fortunately, it didn't sap it. Um, and then Aaron Rodgers goes on to say that essentially he's he is the guy that is first one in, last one out, always studying, always working. So it's good to see that it's not just intensity on the field that it's intensity everywhere, that this is intentional intensity. And again, you know, you look back at how much that was devastating for him to be scolded by the coach, especially after he'd been playing well. I mean, this it means a lot to him. And so it's one of those things where I don't know how good he's going to be. I, I don't know that he's going to be a starter and that he's going to be successful or any of that stuff, but he's putting in the work to be. And at the very least, he's definitely someone to, to root for because you, you want guys like this to succeed. I mean, if, you, if you're a natural talent and you don't work hard and you're still a good football player, I'm, I'm, I'm going to root for you. As long as you're a Packer, that's fine. But I'm also not going to be upset if a guy like Tony Brown takes your job. And again, the media is insistent on asking Aaron Rodgers about his relationship with Lafleur. I don't know why. Stop asking him that question. And I know it's not 
local media necessarily that's causing the problems. But stop acting as though it's a problem by asking them about how are things going between you two. It would be like if somebody lied and made up a rumor that my wife and I got divorced. And it's like, no, we didn't. What are you talking about? And then my friends and family are all like, oh, we know it's all fake. And then every time they call me or come stop by the house, they're like, so how are things with you and your wife? Why are you asking me that question? We're good. Why what? What are you talking about? Stop. I thought you said you... Why? You know we're good, remember? They were lying and you knew that and you believe me. Remember all that? I don't know, but I, I did have an additional thought about Aaron Rodgers because it feels like the whole concept of what Aaron Rodgers is is just wrong. And when I listen to the national media, they're just, even when they say that they don't think there's a problem and everything's going to be fine, they're still looking at it incorrectly. And here's, here's essentially what I came up with. Rodgers doesn't want freedom. He wants competence. I shouldn't say wants, demands. This whole thing about him being impossible to coach and he's so demanding and he wants this and that and everything, it's not true. Mike McCarthy gave him freedom and the relationship completely deteriorated. Why? According to the national media, Mike McCarthy gave Aaron Rodgers everything he wanted. Mike McCarthy ex- was exactly what apparently Matt LaFleur isn't and is the reason Matt LaFleur isn't going to work. What we, what we needed to do was go out and hire someone that is exactly like Mike McCarthy who... Aaron Rodgers apparently ran out of town. Does anybody not see the inconsistency with this? Your entire premise, your entire theory is completely disproven by the fact that Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers didn't get along. Aaron Rodgers is very willing to adapt, and we've seen that this year. But again, everybody's hung up on on Aaron Rodgers needing to get his way and what his preferences are. Aaron Rodgers wants more freedom. Matt LaFleur wants him to have a little less freedom, therefore there's going to be a problem, except there isn't. Matt LaFleur likes joint practices. Aaron Rodgers doesn't prefer joint practices, therefore there's going to be a problem, except there isn't. This is the problem. The national media, especially, and, and you know Bears fans and everybody that wants to make this a problem, is focused on the wrong thing. Aaron Rodgers prefers certain things, and if he doesn't get his way, he's going to blow it. That's, that's ridiculous. That's not true. The times in which Aaron Rodgers gets upset is when people are incompetent. Maybe that's an unfair word, but the, the bottom line is Aaron Rod- He Maybe a better way to put it is he expects perfection. He expects you to be good at your job, especially at this level. right? Maybe you're not going to be on Aaron Rodgers' level, but you better be at least the best of the best of the best in the world. And that goes for coaches, that goes for wide receivers, fullbacks, you know, defensive, everybody. When have we seen things go bad? When Mike McCarthy suddenly didn't know how to coach anymore, Aaron Rodgers suddenly wasn't a big fan of Mike McCarthy. And as much as he said everything's fine and we got along great, it was pretty clear they weren't super cozy, right? We, we Apparently they weren't even talking to each other. Aaron Rodgers talked to Deshaun Kaiser, who talked to Tim Boyle, who talked to Mike McCarthy. That essentially was the chain of command. It's not even a chain of command. That was essentially the line of communication. Aaron Rodgers was upset that things weren't working anymore. He, he got upset last year at the wide receivers. Why? Because he doesn't get his way? No, that's ridiculous. It has nothing to do with, with the fact that Jordy's gone. If that's the case, explain Jay Kumaro and Geronimo Allison. Those guys aren't Jordy and Cobb. So why, why has Aaron Rodgers been heaping praise on them since forever? It has nothing to do with him getting his way or him getting his guys. It's the fact that Jay Kumaro and Geronimo Allison were competent. They did their job. They knew what their job was, but the new rookies didn't know what to do. They couldn't follow basic instructions, including carded practice, when the, when the play was written out on the card for them and they were doing it wrong. 
and he flipped his lid. He blew a he blew a gasket. It has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers needs to get his way. He's been nothing but flexible. He does what he's told. He's receptive to coaching. At the end of the day, he just wants to win. And if you're going to hinder his ability to win because you're bad at your job, that's when he's going to get upset. It has nothing to do with Matt LaFleur, his scheme, his personality, his age, his 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 lack of freedom that he allows to Aaron Rodgers. It has nothing to do with any of that. Everybody's looking at this wrong. So, so now, And this is the problem. Now, every time Aaron Rodgers has an opinion that differs from somebody else, everybody loses it because they're looking at this incorrectly. That has nothing to do with anything. You want to stand back and say, oh, boy, look out. Wait for somebody to mess up in a real bad way. Wait, I mean, just, you know, and I'm not, everybody makes mistakes. I'm not saying, you know, obviously he didn't pile on Jmon or anything like that. But if you're not going to put in the effort, if you're not going to put in the work to, to study and to understand, I mean, you know, look at the Jamon situation, for example. The guy's working hard. I don't necessarily see that as a situation where Aaron Rodgers is going to pile on the guy. But again, just go back and look at the times that Aaron Rodgers has been not happy. It's never because he doesn't get his way. That's never once been the situation. He wants to win. He wants his teammates and his coaches to be competent and to be hard workers and to essentially follow his lead and to, to at least match his intensity. If you're here, you better want to win. You better be working really hard to be the best. You better have a Super Bowl as your goal. And if you're not going to put in that kind of effort, then I'm not a big fan of you. That's it. It's pretty simple. And I'd be willing to bet that's not just Aaron Rodgers. That's everybody in the NFL who's very serious about this. You look at every single high-level quarterback in the NFL, I guarantee you it's the exact same thing. I'm sure Drew Brees isn't a big fan of people that come in and don't care about the Saints. They just care about getting their money. They don't care about Super Bowls. They don't care about putting in the work. They're just going to show up and collect a paycheck. You think Drew Brees is a big fan of that guy? He might not skewer him on national media, but he's not a fan. Ben Roethlisberger, I'm sure, is not a fan of those types of people. Cam Newton, I'm sure, has very little tolerance for those kinds of people. It's not just quarterbacks, it's coaches and wide receivers and everybody. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but it's just, again, everybody's just looking at it from a really weird angle, and it's like, I don't get why everyone's looking at it that way. There's zero evidence of that. Anyways, just a random thought. Moving on, you can now count me in the Alan Lazard um, hype train, or, or, you know, whatever. Not for really any reason except two, and neither of them are super serious. But number one, he shot out a uh, something about The Office on Twitter. So that gets me jacked up. And then there was a quote from him that is, um, for whatever reason, people have always doubted my speed, but hey, I guess I'll just have to prove them wrong, nothing new. So a lot of people like Alan Lazard for, you know, he's a tall receiver, he's a big go-up-and-get-it kind of guy. This quote, the very first thing that popped into my head was Jordy Nelson. I'm not saying he's going to be Jordy Nelson. Again, none of this is serious. It's just a matter of, Similar to Jay Kumaro when I liked him because he came out of Whitewater and his cousins were the Boses. Are the Boses. He said a quote that reminded me of Jordy. He likes The Office. That's my guy. But I mean, either way, man, it just... Am I the only one that feels like there's a different feel this year? In prior years, Mike McCarthy would routinely say, and this was like his, his routine, he would come in and talk about how the energy is probably better than it's ever been in, in past years, and this is better than it's ever been, and this this is... I feel like we're we're more whatever we're, we're more NFL ready than we've ever been but it was just Mike McCarthy saying things and then it was just another year with more of the same granted the same was usually good but I'm just saying it was that was just the routine McCarthy gives us the, the breakdown and says everything's good there's the, 
I don't know if it's just the players are, are happier or feel more free to talk, or maybe the media is just sticking more microphones in people's faces. But it seems like rather than everything channeling through Mike McCarthy and that everything else is just kind of radio silent or just, you know, giving more bland. And maybe it was a Mike McCarthy directive, like just keep your mouth shut, right? You give answers like I give answers. You follow my lead. I give nothing answers. You give nothing answers. Well, I don't know. I'm just doing my best every day. But there's so many people that, you know, it used to be that these are the starters. These are the guys that are going to be on the team that aren't very good. And then there's a couple guys on the fringes that, you know, either going to be practice squad or are, you know, what it just, it wasn't anything super exciting, but it just seems like there's so many guys that, you, I don't know, I just, I really feel like should be on the team, especially at wide receiver. And, and I mean, it, a lot of position, even tight end, like, I don't want to get rid of Mercedes Lewis. I mean, he hasn't been all that productive, but I don't want to get rid of him. I don't want to get rid of Jimmy Graham. I don't want to get rid of Robert Tanyan. I don't want to get rid of Jay Sternberger. I like Alan Lazard. I like the passion. I like that he's bringing it. I like that he's he's. There's been some real good reports out of him. You know, Shepard, Geronimo, Davis. Everything has been super positive. You know, Marquez didn't have the best day today. Or it wasn't even necessarily his fault, but Aaron Rodgers couldn't hit him, and it seems like a negative until Aaron Rodgers comes to the microphone and says, "Yeah, I just I'm just dialing in his speed. He's so ridiculously fast. Like he just he's super fast. So I got to kind of dial it in a little bit. You know." So the, the negative essentially becomes somewhat of a positive. Like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. It's it's kind of hard as a quarterback to keep up with that level of speed, which Aaron Rodgers, who's seen a lot of speed in his life, is having trouble keep up, keeping up. And I, the only reason I ask is because I just feel like I'm – maybe I'm just a little more homerish this year than in the past, but I don't think so. I, I feel like this is – I don't know. Let me know if, if you feel like there's a different energy to this team. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break, and then uh, we'll hit up some other miscellaneous items. So something that I thought was pretty interesting, um, Andy Herman on Twitter pointed out something um, that's really pretty impressive. He said, here are the undrafted free agent additions, or some of them, that uh, have been made by Brian Gutekunst over the last 20 months. Tony Brown, Jake Kumaro, Danny Vitale, Alex Light, Raven Green, Tim Boyle, Robert Tanyan, Curtis Bolton, Fatal Brown, Tyler Lancaster, Ibrahim Campbell, James Crawford, Natrell Jamerson, Darius Shepard, Will Redmond, Alan Lazard. Dude. See, it it really kind of hit me because every time we get somebody, I always refer to them as some guy that's going to end up maybe making the practice squad, probably is going to get cut. I got to stop saying that. This is, I mean, just... How many of these guys are we legitimately excited about? I just got done talking about Tony Brown and what he brings. Jay Kumaro, I mean, my goodness. Danny Vitale was just some, you know, fullback that just got picked up in the middle of the season because, you know, whatever, somebody got hurt or whatever, we got to get a, fill a spot. Uh, Danny Vitale. Suddenly the guy gets injured in practice and it's like the season's over. Like, no, what are we going to do without Danny Vitale? Alex Light we're talking about as a, a legitimate backup. Some people may be taking it too far and as far as being a starter, but I mean I'm I'm I mean the, the the benefit of having a guy that is a legitimate backup is huge. I've referenced several times in the past when we had a, a stout offensive line back in the Josh Sitt and TJ Lang days. We also had guys like Lane Taylor that were backups. JC Treader. I mean that that's that was huge. I mean it it was not only the best offensive line in football, arguably, or at least for some of these years it was, but even when guys got hurt, you still felt good. Well, you didn't feel good, but you get what I'm saying, right? It's like, well, this stinks, but Lane Taylor's competent, right? Raven Green, 
Raven Green was, and, and the cool thing is a lot of these guys are try-hard guys, right? When Raven Green came in, some people were super jacked up on Twitter, like, oh, man, he's going to be great. And it's like, come on, man. And he was like number four or number five on the depth chart. And eventually people get hurt and he slowly works his way up. And he shows some flashes and this and that. And, and suddenly, you know, after about a year of being in the system and working real hard and, and fine-tuning his body and his diet and, and learning the system and all this stuff, suddenly he goes out and he's making big plays, right? He goes out into the preseason game. And again, I'm not saying he's ever going to be Adrian Amos, but these are the kinds of additions and these are the kinds of people that are going to round out a roster and give you that real true depth with an occasional guy showing up as a starter like Jake Kumaro, like Tony Brown, like Danny Vitale, possibly even Raven Green, um, you know, Robert Tanyan. He may be our, our number one tight end by the time this is done. Obviously, Jimmy Graham's going to get the first look. I'm hopeful that that is a good decision and that it pans out. I hope everything's great, but Robert Tanyan is a... You know, again, I don't think he's an elite tight end, but to just to just nab him after the fact, he wasn't drafted. To get that level of play is is impressive. You know, Curtis Bolton, we'll see, but he may be a starting linebacker this year. Tyler Lancaster, no question how good he's been. Ibrahim Campbell, I've already said how much I like him. Darius Shepard, he seems to be a, a you know, I don't know if he's going to make the team, but I would really like him to. Again, I, I think he could be a legitimate slot receiver. And then Alan Lazard again. I don't really expect him to make the team, but he, you know, he he could definitely be a guy. First of all, that he might make the team, but if he doesn't, he could be practice squad candidate that puts in the work. You know, again, a try hard guy that comes back next year and is is a legitimate stud. I don't know. We'll see. But um, man, oh man, you know, Brian Gutekunst has not until until Andy Herman did this, he has not gotten the, the credit that he deserves for, for the roster. This, in my mind, was a Ted Thompson thing, right? Thompson was slipping in the draft, but he was still solid as, in getting these undrafted guys, especially the corners and all that kind of stuff. He was doing a real good job late rounds and undrafted guys. Gutekunst, we were hoping, could come in and start hitting on first and second and third round picks. That was the hope. And then when he goes out and, and you know, picks up the, and I, I think he, I, I personally just forget when they get picked up, you just think, hey, he's not going to be anything. And then, you know, he just gets shuffled into the roster. You kind of forget where he came from. And then he rises up and it's like, oh yeah, cool. Just kind of forget. No, this, this was another one of those guys that just got picked up that you thought was going to be a nobody. That fullback that potentially has, has fantasy football value. So I, I really don't have anything to compare it against. Obviously every team has um, undrafted free agents and uh, waiver claims that are on the roster. Not everybody's going to be a first through seventh round pick, but it's not just the, the, the amount, and it is a big amount of, of guys. You know, Again, some are more than others, but I'm looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 guys that got highlighted here, at least half of which are, are going to be playing some sometime this year. You know, Tony Brown, Jay Kumaro, Danny Vitale, Raven Green, Robert Tanyan, probably Curtis Bolton, Tyler Lancaster. Uh, that would be seven. You could maybe throw in Ibrahim Campbell. You know, you hope you don't ever see an Alex Light because that would mean an injury. You know, possibly James Crawford, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, this this is just a, it's a brand new roster. And uh, we, we got to see still what the draft picks are going to be. It takes a few years. You know, people say it takes about three years to fully assess how a draft went. This is just year two. We still have to see what's going on. We're, we're pretty confident Jair was a great first-round pick. Um, but outside of that, we've got a lot of picks to monitor this year's as well as last year's picks. But, um, 
he's doing a lot of work and he's, he's completely revamped this this team and it's exciting to see what it may become anyways that perfectly segues into the next portion which is Jadavian Clowney I you know I, I think there was a time at which Brian Gutekunst would have gone for Jadavian Clowney and I don't think we're at that point I think our decision was to go after Preston and Zadarius Smith and then draft Rashawn Gary, and I think we're set. I don't think we can afford at this point to go out and pay Jadavian Clowney because we're already paying um, Zadarius a ton of money, and we're paying Preston pretty handsomely, and we're about to be paying Devontae a lot, and we're, we're paying Aaron a lot. I just don't think you can afford to pay Jadavian Clowney. So I, I just think it's 100% out. I, I know somebody had asked the question, it was Dustin in the Facebook group, asked the question, what about trading Balaga? Again, I think if um, if it weren't for e- even just Zadarius, if, it, if we had just gotten Preston, I would say it's a possibility. But Zadarius is getting a lot of money, and we've, we've got a decent amount of depth, and I understand you can never have too much and all that stuff, but I, I really think... Um, you know, I don't know Balaga's status, and I, I again, I think if we were still desperate for for a player, and if we could get him for Balaga, and and obviously we'd have to add in more than that, a, a pick or two. But the Texans are ridiculously desperate for offensive line help. Balaga is one of the best right tackles in the game. The, the The problem is the the age and the the wear and all that stuff. But it, it doesn't matter because it's not going to happen anyways. The the Packers aren't going to go for my biggest concern with with uh, Jadavian Clowney is where is he going to end up. I'm really worried that maybe Detroit looks to add somebody else. You know, you got Trey Flowers on one side, Jadavian on the other, Mike Daniels on the inside, and then just a handful, a ton of other guys. I, I don't think the Bears or Vikings have the money to do it. I'm sure both teams would be willing, and, and the Bears would just, I mean, that would be the, the most lethal, uh, just unbelievably horrifying. And if, if there's any way for them to do it, whether it be through trading an offense, I should look at their offensive line situation because now I'm really starting to freak out. Again, at the end of the day, you still got to pay them, and I don't think they can afford to. But I'm still, it's one of those things where you say, there's no money, and then they just do crazy stuff and do some wizardry, which, you know, well, we'll just push everybody's money back a few years and worry about the implosion later. I guess I just wanted to see if they have enough depth that they could risk giving up somebody. I don't think they're going to, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just worried. I just want this to be resolved. Either the Texans pay the man, otherwise ship him off, especially somewhere that nobody cares about, please. Matter of fact, send them to the AFC East. Send them to the Jets. Send them to Miami. Send them to the Bills. I just want him to go after Tom Brady all the time and then not help somebody win a Super Bowl. That'd be fantastic. If you could help pull off some flukish win so that the Patriots lose a game and you're not going to help a team win a Super Bowl and you're going to hurt the Texans by not being there, perfect. The more teams that are hurt by this trade, the better. And if we can hurt three teams, well, not that the Jets would be hurt, but I mean, come on, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. That would be a scary defense, though. The the Jets with Jadavian, heesh. Same with the Bills. Anyways, I'm just saying that that that's my biggest thing. I would be beyond shocked if the Packers even so much as picked up the phone at, at this point. I'm sure there were a lot of calls in the past, which also, by the way, is is unfortunate for the Texans because I'm sure they had a lot more people and basic supply and demand. The more demand there is, the more you can well demand. And I'm sure you're still going to get a ton, but there's a lot of teams that are just out of the race right now. There are teams who have spent their money, you know, including the the, the Bears, including the Lions, including the Vikings. I mean, they, they, they've made determination. They've figured out what to do with their money. The Vikings re-signed all their washed-up players. Uh, the Bears went out and got a bunch of more garbage wide receivers. The Lions got Mike Daniels and Trey Flowers. 
I'd be willing to bet that's about four teams who would have at least inquired about Jadavian Clowney had the Texans made this plan earlier instead of saying, nope, we're going to franchise him and we're going to keep him and all this stuff and it's going to be fine and, you know, he'll he'll end up signing it. I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, it's not fine and now you got to look for a trade partner and the amount of teams interested have probably been cut at least in half. But anyways, them's my thoughts. I, you know, I don't think he's coming to the NFC North, but we'll see. I'll see, and now I'm really nervous. <laughs> I just wanted to check the salary caps. Apparently the Bears have been continually messing with everybody's contract and pushing everybody's money out, or just cutting people, because they now currently have $16.5 million in, in cap space. Now, 16.5 probably is not going to be the per-year total that, that he's going to be getting, but that doesn't matter, because how much you pay him this year and you know how much he actually gets paid and, and all that, it, they have enough money. Oh, don't. Do it. Don't do it. I'm just seriously going to be so upset if the Bears get Jadavian Clowney. I mean, it, it, there'll be that small silver lining where they have just continually f- just further destroyed their own salary cap, which is already not in great sh- sh- shape. They're already to the point where, all right, got to start cutting people. Oh, that's what i got to get to also before. That'll be the last thing. i gotta, I got to rag on the Bears a little bit. Anyway, whatever. We'll see what happens. Final thought of the day. And to the Bears fans, I, I promise this isn't just me constantly thinking about how can I hate on the Bears. It was it was the universe just telling me I had to talk about this because I was listening to a lot of different podcasts. Two different podcasts talked about how the Bears would regress. Two separate podcasts on the same day. The Bears defense, excuse me. Well, one of them was overall because of the Bears defense, but whatever. Then there was a third podcast that had nothing to do with the Bears, but they started talking about, you know, it was just a general overview of how players work right and this was about cornerbacks and all three of these things came together to to give me sort of an overall feel of things so the first and I forget the podcast actually and I usually like to give a shout out but I forget but it was Aaron Schatz from uh, Football Outsiders and he was just talking about general trends and, and how things tend to work and essentially for for a variety of reasons he believes that the Bears defense would regress pretty massively in fact, he looked at it and said, and I, I don't know if this is exactly correct, but essentially it was something to the effect of if their defense even falls down to about you know, what they were last year, which is one of the best we've seen in several years, back to about the fourth best defense, and if the offense takes a minor step forward but nothing massive, by his somewhat calculation, that puts them at about nine wins. So there's that as a, as a separate side note. But the one thing that really stood out to me and this was on uh, Chris Landry's podcast. He's got like six of them now. They're all over the place. But his his main one that he's had for a long time, he's been kind of going through the different position groups, and it's been pretty informative. But the one cool thing on the uh, the cornerbacks that he was going through, and it, it seems relatively obvious, but essentially there are man corners and zone corners, and very few of them, very rarely do those things overlap. There are very, very good zone corners who occasionally get put in man because everybody has to play everything at some point. And generally, those are the times when these these Hall of Fame corners would kind of get taken for a ride. And he was talking about at times how, uh, you know, quarterbacks would kind of wait for that, right? They would kind of wait for that situation where that corner's in man and then they would attack him. Or vice versa, man corners being put in zone because it's an entirely different skill set. Man corners turn and run. Right, it, it, first of all, you, you're a much better corner, so you have to. It's, it's a much higher value. If you play man, 
your ability to lock down a wide receiver is is much higher, and, and being able to find those guys is harder, so those guys are worth more. So guys like Jair are more valuable than a lot of zone corners. They're more coveted. It's a much harder skill set. Zone corners keep their face toward the quarterback, and typically, generally speaking, they're going to drop with the the wide receiver and then pass them off to the safety. So, in other words, when I say in a very general sense that the Bears are going to regress and losing Vic Fangio is going to hurt because his scheme was really incredible and how Vic Fangio's scheme was more more what brought it all together and, and you know the way that pressure was brought in. Just because there's going to be more pressure with this style of defense doesn't necessarily translate to a better overall defense. I think kind of shining a more direct, you know, putting a little bit more light on it, being a little bit more specific, the Bears' defense is actually going to be a little bit more like the Packers' defense than it was last year. Last year, it was a little bit more Dom Capers-y, right? Dom Capers is all about playing in zone, kind of mixing it up, being being more creative with, you know, the, the what, what, what we're in right now. And then it was just being stout up front, force him into third down, and then, you know, dominate, I guess. I don't know. It didn't work, so I'm not really sure. But now it's becoming more of a Mike Pettin defense where it's going to be press man and pressure, right? So throw off the rhythm, take away the quick quick throws, and hope that the pressure can get there quick enough. And that, that should work with, with, um, with Khalil Mack on the team. And the reason it struggled with the Packers is because we weren't able to bring that pressure, which is a key component for Mike Pettin's style of defense, which is why we went out and spent a ton of money on pass rushers uh, because we need to get pressure, otherwise the defense doesn't work. The point, though, is you have now a bunch of corners that thrived in a zone system that are going to be asked to press. And so when you have guys like Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamura who absolutely exploded in this scheme, who are playing better than they ever have, especially, as I've said, Prince of Mukamura, who's been an average corner since forever that was essentially a top 10 corner last year, the expectation of them falling off and in dramatic fashion is very real. And there's every reason to expect it because, again, you're, you're essentially taking guys that were thriving in zone, which should tell you that these are essentially zone corners. Not to say that Kyle Fuller doesn't have the ability to play in man. He's a good corner. I'm not expecting him to be trash. But what the corners are going to be asked to do is entirely different, and it's an entirely different skill set. So if nothing else, you take what they did last year, you throw it in the trash. Even if they're going to be good, the, the point is we don't know that yet. Because this is an entirely new different defense. It's an entirely new scheme. The safeties are going to be asked to do different things. The matchups and, and how that's all going to work is going to be entirely different. And again, Khalil Mack makes all things work. It's going to be hard for teams because they're, you know, Pagano's not going to let you get the ball out quick because he's going to have a corner in your guy's face. And you're not going to have a lot of time to throw because Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack are crashing down on you. It, in no way am I expecting this defense to be terrible. However, any Bears fan listening that is not concerned and thinks that the defense is still going to be as good or possibly better, which is nearly impossible, by the way, you really need to think this through. I mean, I guess you don't have to. You can just keep dreaming until it happens and then just wait for it to happen. But same thing as I've done for Packer fans the last couple days, just trying to ease the pain a little bit because when things fall off, I don't want people to lose their mind and break their TVs and do all kinds of crazy stuff. The Bears' defense last year was once in a generation. And you look at, at other defenses that were really, really good, like the Minnesota Vikings, and you see how much they fell off, despite having an even better offense, a lot better offense than the Bears. You look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who nearly won a Super Bowl because of how good their defense was. What happened to them? They completely fell off. 
Another thing that Aaron Schatz had said is typically when you get a new defensive coordinator, teams do take a step back. The Packers took a step back. The Bears got a new defensive coordinator. So even if the scheme was the same, there's still an expectation of a slight regression. So you got the fact that it was an unattainably high defense that can't be replicated two years in a row. Almost never can something that impressive replicate replicate two years in a row. That's working against the Bears. You have a new defensive coordinator, which usually correlates to a slight regression, at least for a period of time. And you have the fact that you've now gone from a zone scheme or from a for, yeah, from a zone scheme to a man scheme which might not seem like a lot, but again, this is, I mean, it, it, it's essentially the same thing as going from 3-4 to 4-3 and looking at the pass rushers. It's, it's entirely possible that the guys you have can do it. It's also entirely possible that these guys are just going to be garbage, right? You know, you think back to like Aaron Campman. Aaron Campman was a solid 4-3 defensive end. We switched to 3-4 and he was just no good. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs and what they've done. They went from a 3-4 team with two really good pass rushers, went to a 4-3 team and dumped both of their pass rushers and went out and paid a ton of money for a new pass rusher. So it's not even, well, they didn't have the money to pay him. Well, they did have enough money to pay somebody. The Bears have switched the scheme for their corners and have kept the same corners, but which by all accounts are zone corners in their now man scheme. And as I, if I may repeat myself, the notion that... that uh, Defensive coordinators, head coaches, offensive coordinators, uh, you know, create a scheme based around their players is an absolute lie. Chuck Pagano has a scheme. He's bringing that scheme to the Chicago Bears, and that's what they're going to run despite the players that they have. Now, again, none of this is to say the Bears are going to be bad. It's just, again, all these things kind of came together at once. The Bears' defense is going to regress. The Bears' defense is going to regress. Come over here. Hey, just so you know, corners, here's how it works. Man and zone are basically diametrically opposed. I mean, it's it's like a 3-4 outside linebacker and a 4-3 defensive end. There's some crossover, some can do both, but typically you got guys that are better suited for this, guys that are better suited for this. I mean, in every case, that's the situation. It's just a matter of how much overlap is there, right? You're definitely a better 4-3 defensive end, but we think you can be a 3-4 outside linebacker, and you might still be able to be pretty good. Like, you know, again, if you get a guy as good as Khalil Mack, I don't think you worry that much. Right, if, if they switch to a 4-3 scheme and put Khalil Mack's hand in the dirt, maybe he won't be as good. I don't know, but do we really think he's not going to be good anymore? Of course not. But it is a difference, and it is a relatively dramatic difference. And there are certain people that just can't do it. But anyways, that's it. i got to get going. You folks enjoy your Wednesday. Tomorrow we get more football, so that'll be exciting. We'll talk a little bit tomorrow probably about expectations. I don't really know. Hopes, dreams, aspirations, all that stuff. But uh, today, I hope you folks have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.